This is Tom Fox, and I would like to welcome you greetings and felicitations. In this podcast series, I'm going to be visiting with thought leaders, entrepreneurs, historians, and a wide variety of other people on topics that are outside the area of compliance, but are of great interest to myself and to listeners to the Compliance Podcast Network. In this series, I thought I would have some fun by looking at compliance as seen through the lens of Winnie the Pooh and the characters who live in the Hundred Acre Woods. Winnie the Pooh, Eeyore, Tigger, Kanga and Roo, and Piglet. Winnie the Pooh, also called Pooh Bear or Pooh, was created by the English author A.A. Milne, who first appeared in a collection of stories about him and his friends in the book Winnie the Pooh in 1926, and this was followed by The House at Pooh Corner in 1928. Milne also included a poem about the bear in the children's verse book when we were very young, and many more in Now We Are Six. All volumes were illustrated by E.H. Shepard, and the illustrations alone are worth the price of admissions. Many Americans were introduced to Pooh through the Walt Disney features Winnie the Pooh and the Honey Tree, released in 1966, Winnie the Pooh and the Blustery Day, released in 1968, and Winnie the Pooh and Tigger 2, which was released in 1974. In this episode, we look at Tigger and the sales function. Tigger first appeared in The House at Pooh Corner when he arrives at Pooh's doorstep in the middle of the night. Tigger takes up residence with Kanga and Roo. He becomes great friends with Roo, and Kanga treats him in much the same way she does her own son. Tigger seems to have boundless energy, almost too much energy for some of the other denizens of the Hundred Acre Woods. Rabbit, who is constantly exasperated by Tigger's constant bouncing, Eeyore, who is once bounced into the river by Tigger, and finally there's Pooh's good friend Piglet, who always seems a little nervous about the new, large, bouncy animal in the Hundred Acre Woods. Tigger seems like the epitome of a top salesperson. He is very confident and has quite an ego and, of course, a very high opinion of himself. He always seems to have great energy and optimism, and though always well-meaning, he can be mischievous, and his actions have sometimes led to chaos and trouble for himself and his friends. Tigger often undertakes his activities with gusto, only to later realize they were not as easy as he originally imagined. Tigger, unique as ever, refers to himself not as a tiger, but as Tigger, And when he introduces himself, he announces the proper way to spell his name is T-I-double-G-U-R, which spells Tigger. Tigger seems like a great way to think about sales function and the sales incentive from the compliance perspective. Much like Tigger, most sales folks have their hearts in the right places, even if their actions cause trouble for themselves and others. The DOJ seems to have recognized this when, in the 2020 update to the evaluations of corporate compliance programs, it stated under the category incentive system, has the company considered the implications of its incentives and rewards in compliance? How does the company incentivize compliance and ethical behavior? Have there been specific examples of actions taken as a result of compliance and ethical considerations? 
who determines compensation, including bonuses as well as disciplines and promotion of compliance personnel. When considering how a company can use incentives to further a compliance program, consider how incentives could lead to the converse, as they did with the now infamous Wells Fargo fraudulent accounting scandal. When you misalign these two concepts with a fail, faulty sales strategy, it can lead to a catastrophic failure, literally costing the company millions of dollars in fines, loss of business, and depreciation of shareholder value. The sales incentives under which Wells Fargo came to grief is simple, even benign, the cross-selling of products. After all, large banks cross-sell their clients all the time, and nobody seems to blink an eye when companies such as McDonald's engages every time you buy a Big Mac when the representative wants or asks if you want fries with that. Yet another reason for engaging in this type of business practice is that every time a company has a touch point, particularly a commercial touch point, with a person or customer, it strengthens the relationship. At Wells Fargo, however, what started off as a legitimate legal and beneficial business strategy became not only high risk, but illegal because of the manner in which Wells Fargo administered its approach to cross-selling. As with any sales incentive, if a company wants to push it, it will set up incentives for the sales team to engage in such unethical behavior. This can be done by increasing commissions around the product or services being emphasized, such as bank products in the case of Wells Fargo. Companies can also increase sales by making clear that you will be evaluated on how much you sell a product or service. In other words, whether you receive a bonus or pay raise or even keep your job will be evaluated in some part by how much you cross-sell. What about variable compensation? This is compensation based on alternative factors such as total sales, sales relative to a region, product, line, or other group. Some of the questions you might ask are, what does your bonus program consist of? Is it a corporate-based performance or individual-based? Is it group-based? Is it eat what you kill? Or is it some combination of all of the above? A variable system can lead to ethics and compliance failures. One reason could be similar to that as demonstrated by Wells Fargo. Very high goals, but no directions for employees on how to get there. A lack of communication between management and line employees, meaning there was raw fear from employees to inform their immediate supervisors of bad news. Conversely, it could be supervisors who do not want to hear such bad news. And lastly, if your company has singular focus on numbers, meaning that is the single judge of your worth as an employee. Answering any of these questions, if they arise, can help you to understand the design of incentive programs and allowing monitoring of incentive programs to identify links that may arise through compliance violations. At the end of the day, Tigger is good-hearted, even if his over-exuberance can sometimes lead to misadventures. If you properly incentivize your sales team, you will hopefully keep their over-exuberance into being simply good-hearted as well. I hope you'll join me tomorrow where I consider Kanga, her son Rue, and the role of the corporate ombudsman in compliance. I hope you've enjoyed this first episode in a five-part series where I explore some compliance topics as explained by Winnie the Pooh and some of his friends from the Hundred Acre Woods. I hope you will join me again tomorrow as I continue my exploration of these characters and issues. 
This series is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network.